0: up, Irish fans? Locked on Irish Podcast. Back at it after we all tried to die of the coronavirus, swine flu, pig flu, Ebola, whatever the whole team got here, I have no idea. But we're back at it. As you remember, last week, I was trying to fight something off. Then I didn't fight it off. Had to skip a day of the show. Then I got it, and I struggled. When I told you guys my voice was on borrowed time, I think the last words... That I said after that show on, was it, Thursday? I think that's all I had. Because after that show, I was a mess. Absolute mess. Then I was like, well, you know, Mark and Will, Amelia, maybe they can pick up the... Pay-. No, everybody got sick. I don't know what it is. This 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 show just contaminated everyone, I guess. I don't know. Careful careful out there, listeners. Listener, listen at your own risk. So as you can hear, I'm a little nasally, but I'm back at it. So Lockdown Irish Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day now that we're not all dead so here we go make sure you're following us out there at locked on irish on twitter on facebook as i sniffle and snort my way through if you don't like somebody that sounds all nasally i would cut this off right now and and they say that these colds are lasting like seven to ten days and you know let's let's time it up and then, and then come back then when when we're all over this garbosh oh man where to listen to us at iHeartRadio, radio itunes SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, basically anywhere you get your podcast app, unless you just created a podcast app and nobody knows about it, and even then we're probably there. So, so what are we going to talk about today? The Irish have quietly, quietly won, I mean, the most quiet six of eight game winning streak or uh, uh, winning trend, I guess, it's not necessarily a streak that I've ever seen dominant win yesterday over Miami 87 71 what in the hell is wrong with Miami sports I mean I've heard from some local coaches that we cover just speaking specifically to football and I know they talked toward the end of the game about how the future is bright with those two young point guards but man they that whole athletic program is just not good I don't even I know they pride themselves on some baseball too but I don't even know how that's going but um, going back to some of the local coaches I've talked to here, they don't think Miami. They think Miami football is a long way from coming back, based on the emphasis of the program, how they treat the program compared to the the U uh, air quote days. Um, they they don't look for them to come back anytime soon, and they know it's fertile recruiting grounds down there. And you know if they can try to spin something positively, but everybody else is just so far ahead with facilities and and just. The way they do things and where the emphasis is at, a lot of people don't think Miami's going to come back in football for a long time. At least people I know that deal with the coaches and deal with potential recruits going there. So eighty-seven, seventy-one win for the Irish. We'll get into breaking down the game here. Also going to talk about the offensive line. Going to refer to our friend Brian um, Driscoll going into the spring. Going to have a lot of injuries, but there's a lot of experience coming back and more experience to be gained because there's a few guys not going to be able to play in the spring game and so we're going to get into that talk about the injuries that are occurred there and then we're going to talk about this will shipley kid if i don't know if you've heard of him class of 2021 uh the kid's a baller man he is a straight baller and i'll be honest with you at this point if he chooses anywhere but notre dame based on his interactions and things like that i don't i would be shocked i would absolutely be shocked to see him choose anywhere else so let's get into the game from yesterday again winners of six of Eight are the Irish, and we are on no one's radar at all. In fact, at halftime, they said, you know, Notre Dame basically going to have to win the rest of their games. That includes Florida State. And and this is crazy to me, this part of it. Win the rest of their games, including Florida State, and then make it to the ACC title game. Nobody on that panel gave us a chance. Nobody. Um, right now, I mean, I'm looking at Joe Lenardi on ESPN, uh, last four buys, Indiana, Xavier, Wichita State, Utah State, last four in, Oklahoma, USC, Providence, Oh, that I struggle with that one. From somebody who really watches a lot of Big East, I, I struggle with that one. NC State, Richmond, Stanford, UCLA, Mississippi State are first four out. Next four out, Memphis, Georgetown, Alabama, South Carolina. I don't think we're that bad, are we? Are we that bad? I know we're at like 61 in the net, but really? UCLA? UCLA. Interesting. We might have just changed this show on a dime. They are 17 and 11. I I mean, we might have spent a little more time on basketball today than I thought. Interesting. I actually did not see that. As you can see, I I, I did little research as far as these bracketologies. I just did a quick Google search to let you guys know where we're at as of Monday morning or uh, here Monday afternoon. Uh, February twenty fourth, and that's where we're sitting. New AP poll is out. Kansas is number one. Uh, you know, great game last night. Great game last night um, from everybody all the way around. Everybody shot pretty well. Fluger even went two for two, eight points. Got to the line a few times. TJ Gibbs seven of ten, hit five threes, nineteen points. We had three players, um, three pl- four players in double figures. That's that's great. That's tremendous, as my phone is getting uh, cra- This is why I keep my notifications off. I have like two, three Facebooks, two Twitters, three Instagrams. Yeah, too much, too much. I don't know how those got turned back on. Sorry about that, because they're not getting edited out. Not today. Uh, Dane Goodwin came off the bench, 6 of 11. I mean, great, great production from the entire team. And we came out, we punched him in the mouth. That game didn't even look close. They Miami looked just dead on their feet. They looked like they were just dragging around. I didn't really see, I mean, I didn't see much from this team. They had one guy, um, essentially one guy who shot more than two shots, shoot over 50%. Beverly come off the bench, gave him 18 minutes, 6 of 12, 12 points. Uh, you know, decent production from their bench. I give their bench a lot of credit. They Their bench scored 24 points. I mean, usually when you score 24 points, that's a good day. Uh, we only had 18 points off the bench. Leshevsky struggled mightily, and outside of Leshevsky, and Hub didn't shoot efficiently. Even though he came, he played better without you take away his shots. Uh, he had a great game. You know, four rebounds, ten points, a steal, one, a block. I mean, you you cannot um, you can't dog that kind of performance. That's good distribution of the ball. Hey, guess what happened? Got to the line four times. Tremendous was four of four from the line. John Mooney did John Mooney things, 19 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, I I mean, it was a great all-around performance in a time when we needed it the most. In a time we needed it the most because this, you know, we got to be, this is the kind of stuff that's going to matter. You know, Miami was, I mean, I posted on Twitter yesterday. Miami had a winning record, okay? This was a decent team. They're They're not this bad. I don't know how they laid this egg yesterday, but they're not this bad. They're a pretty athletic team. You know, they, they do have some they have some losses in there. You know, they got destroyed by North Carolina. And North Carolina's pretty bad. They got beat by Pitt, you know, and Pitt's pretty bad. We know that. You know, but there are other losses. Florida State, Duke, all respectable. They have a they do have a win over Pitt earlier this year. They've beat Clemson. They have just been struggling struggling mightily down the stretch. Scored 102 points in their last game against Virginia Tech, and we held them to seventy one. Held them to 71, man. That's a that's a good day for us. A good day. I mean, this team has proved that they can score a little bit. You know, we kept them just under their season, season average at 73.1 per game. Uh, you know, we they've only been given up about 75 per game. We scored in the 80s on them. And this game was just never close. I think that's the biggest thing that I can hang my hat on is this game was never close. We did have, you know, a guy like Leshevsky that did struggle. But everybody else stepped their game up so much. Just so much that I I struggle to see us get beat in any game but Florida State this year or the rest of the way. Durham had a nice game. The missed dunk on one end and then just the slam a jamma on the other was tremendous. Just shows great poise, you know, dig deep. Be able to pull off something like that was was just great. Um, I mean, there's no other words for it other than that. I mean, we were just dominant. And this looked, against a team that you thought might be more athletic, just looked completely dominant from the outset. I don't know if I can bring up the the game flow here because I'm not even sure. Yeah, I think we did trail for just a little bit early on. And it did kind of look like one of those games where early on, I mean, you look at the first, yeah, it's, we were down 21-20 with eight minutes to go in the uh, first half. And then out of nowhere, I mean, what, 28-6 to run? And they didn't even turn the ball over that much. They just shot like crap. They shot 41%. They were 22% from three. We didn't really shoot that much better. But where it came down to, out-rebounded them. Good good work on second-chance points. The three's a big difference maker, man. When you have TJ Gibbs running the point like that, and he could have distributed the ball a little better, but Hub made up for it with all of his assists. Um, you know, I mean, Gibbs, Gibbs had five assists, but when he's shooting like that, I mean, we can beat anybody. So next game up. Is I just had it in front of me. I believe we have Wake Forest for lack of uh, trying not to stutter here. No, we have BC coming up, revenge game, first game we lost by one. That is on February 26 sixth, two days from now at a not a weird one of them weird nine p.m. tips. So if we can keep this up, if we can play anything like we just did, we should be able to blow right through them. Wake forest and then the big one, Florida State, because we need a tier one victory. Let's stick with hoops for just a few more minutes here. And looking at our, looking at how frustrating this is. Before the season, I said 19 and 14. I think we slip in. Maybe a last four in. Because I said we had to flip our record this year to show progress. We had to. um, And we're sitting there at 17 and 10 right now. We're tied for fifth. Tied for fifth in the ACC. And this just shows how down the ACC is right now. Because... Usually, we we are just, we're what, three games back of having a double buy. Now, is that probably going to happen? No. But this does show, I mean, we have the ACC for the first time, and I, last time I can, I don't know when this has been, but they only have four teams right now that are a lock Louisville, Duke, Florida State, and Virginia. And just how big would it have been to have pulled out that Virginia game right now? We would have been two games back with one up on them. We'd have had a tier one win sitting there at 18 and nine I know the revisionists history but god this is so frustrating to sit here like this knowing what could have been you look at the Indiana game you look at the Florida State game BC earlier on to not have another bad loss on our resume Syracuse the the loss to Syracuse the NC State game all the I mean we could be looking at a three seed right now if if those games go the other way hell if two of them went the other way kidding me if we're sitting there at 19 and 7 even if it was nc state and bc i mean we're looking at we're looking at being locked in i mean no pun intended on the Locked On podcast network but i mean we're sitting pretty we'd be tied with virginia right now or we'd be one big game back of virginia in the acc so I, i actually think the experts are off as far as saying we have no chance i really do i don't think we have no chance I mean, how are you going to keep us out? If we reel off these last, let's see, we have, what, four games left. If we get to 20 and we get two wins in the ACC tournament, so we win three of four, one of them not being Florida State, that puts us at 20. We get to 22 and 12. I don't know how you keep us out. I really don't. So it's going to be interesting coming down the stretch here. All right, so let's get to what Mr. Shipley so you might have heard of this cat. This guy is good, very good. I mean, uh, Weddington High High School running back out of North Carolina, Gatorade Player of the Year as a junior. Uh, I mean, everybody wants this guy. He is. He should be getting his fifth star here at some point. Just a. I mean, everybody's saying he's like Christian McCaffrey, and I don't even think it's because he's white. I mean, I, I think there's a piece of that there, but. I think the fact is, is the kid is just such a threat, both rushing and out of the backfield. I mean, kid's 17 years old, number one all-purpose back coming into the 2021 class, number one, number 44 prospect overall. Uh, I, I mean, just a dual-threat player. He ran for 162 uh, attempts, 1,800 yards, 27 touchdowns, caught 33 passes, 575, nine touchdowns receiving, uh, approaching 4,000 career rushing yards. And now, and he's near. He'll eclipse five hundred receiving yards easy, because he's almost there now. Uh, Fifteen hundred receiving yards. Sorry. Uh, I mean, this guy's just such a threat. And you know, everything I see online is that twenty twenty one class. We've talked about it before. How close they all are, and uh, and just what they, kind of the camaraderie they seem to have built, uh, and and all the tweeting they do back and forth, and all the things they do on social media, and the shamrocks back and forth, and. I mean, I just don't see how he's anything but no, coming to Notre Dame. And can you imagine going in 2021, even in 2022, 20, 2022 specifically, you're going to have Shipley and Chris Tyree back there. And then if one of these other backs comes on, they'll be into their senior year like a Jameer Smith or like a Sibo Flemister. I mean, what? You know, I think Shipley and Tyree are a little similar in the sense that they're a little smaller, but Shipley... Despite not being a, he doesn't look like a physical specimen by any means. But he lists out bigger than what he what he looks. He's listed at 5'11", 198 Even if that's five nine and a half and one ninety, you know, a lot of times these backs that are these dual threats, and and have the abilities that Shipley does, usually they're about one hundred seventy five pounds. They need to come in and bulk up. He just needs to form his body. You know, we're not looking at a guy who needs a ton of uh, a, a more physicality. You don't want it to affect his speed, his shiftiness, his elusiveness. If we can get him up to just like 210, I mean, and and he's only a junior going into his senior year. Yes, we're almost there. He'll be a senior. Um, he's already done with his junior year, but currently in school, he's only a junior. I mean, this kid is going to be ready to go. I would almost say that he will be more ready to go when he gets to Notre Dame than Tyree will when he gets there. Tyree's had a little injury history, a little ouchy, and he's just not quite, he's not that big. Now, that's not to say, hey, hey, maybe he comes in, excuse me, dang Ebola. um, Maybe he comes in and just tears it up freshman year. Nobody stands a chance. And, and, And great, I want to be wrong. There's many, 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 many times that I've said certain things, and I'm like, man, I hope I'm wrong. But I think Shipley could have more of an impact than Tyree could initially you know long term I do think Tyree man that, that kind of speed I know Shipley's got the vision the shiftiness everybody's saying he looks like Christian McCaffrey you know Lance Taylor has a has a quite a tradition with um, being able he worked with Christian McCaffrey he knows what he sees his eyes uh, definitely don't fail him at all when it comes to recruiting and things like that he knows what he sees um, but you can't teach Chris Tyree speed you know maybe Shipley King it can get faster. But Shipley, once he, I don't think people can, people underestimate sometimes what a college program can do as far as strength and conditioning, as far as what they do to your body. I remember I got to, I got to a D three, um, it was like combine, and it was basically, and this goes back, this is a long, long time ago. This is like o three o four, and some of the stuff they had us doing, I was like, oh my god, when I start doing this every day. Wow. I mean, it was calm. It was weird. It was like a combine camp kind of thing. I was very fortunate. And this camp was actually kind of ahead of its time. I'd never attended anything like it ex- at a D3 level uh, where they took us through college strength and conditioning. They taught us the ins and outs. And then we did like combine like drills. It was very cool. And I know that that's kind of the norm now. But at the time, I mean, I, I attended over 20 some odd camps. But. My point is, is like some of the stuff they had us doing with like kegs and with water in them, and the unbalanced weight and and the various sports specific activities. It wasn't just like that's when you kind of knew. And I mean, I know it now, and most of you listeners know that it is different. But you know, it's different in high school. Some of these high schools, even at the top level, one of the high schools I cover is one of the most successful high school programs in the last you know, 15 years here in central Ohio, they don't even have a strength conditioning coach. Okay. They have strength conditioning sessions. They have coaches that are there that monitor them and they know of what they're doing. They use their experiences from their college days, you know, whether it be ball state or, 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 you know, just throwing out some, uh, OU, uh, what's some other coaches, alumni that we've worked with. Um, I can't think off the top of my head, just some Mac level stuff and some D three kind of stuff. Um, they use that as experience, but it's different when you have a strength conditioning coordinator and a and a guy who's the assistant strength conditioning coordinator. They have the training table where they. It's not like, hey guys, training's at six a.m. I'm gonna use everything that I know for an hour and a half, put you through it, I'm gonna grind you, and then you're free to go. And here's what you should eat, but. There's no training table. I can't make sure this is what you eat. And the kid ends up going to freaking Wendy's or something. No, when they have these training tables, you combine what they're able to do, sports specific strength and conditioning, with the training table, which is this is what you should eat because you're this kind of running back. I can't imagine what these two kids are going to be like, specifically with Shipley, it already being a solid 198, what they can form him into. These guys have not yet reached their peak, and it's going to be fun, fun to watch. If developed properly. All right, guys, back at it. Locked on Irish podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I promise I'll be back every day this week. Well, I take that back. We'll be back five days this week. I don't know if there'll be five straight. We'll keep you updated on tomorrow's show. <clears throat> as I try to not hawk up a big old goober right here in the middle of uh, right here in the middle of the show, which is just what you want to hear. So, uh, let's talk about the offensive line. Guys, we are T-minus, like, less than two months from Irish football taking the field again. Can you believe that? Less than two months away, the Irish will be back on the field. April 18th, spring game coming up. So, that led me to kind of looking around, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about some spring game stuff. Uh, we are going to do our another college campus... Uh, what I call it last week, around campus show, because I'll tell you, some of the teams around campus are having a lot of success. Um, tell us, again, like I said on the last show, tell us what you guys want to hear. Um, you know, Monday shows kind of want to suck you in. We want to talk about the big sports, basketball, football, things like that. But let's talk, to, uh, tomorrow we're going to talk some more uh, lacrosse, softball, baseball, some of the other sports. It kind of was fun uh, doing that last week. So until you guys tell me otherwise... It's going to be happening. Maybe we'll just do that on Tuesday's show. We'll uh, stick with some more of the Olympic-type sports and you know baseball, things like that. But we're talking football right now. And look at all the experience we have coming back. Uh, Brian Driscoll's article online, Irish Breakdown. Make sure you check it out uh, on Sports Illustrated's website. Uh, it's a spring preview. Offensive line is the title of the article. Uh, Notre Dame returns all five starters from the offensive line. I mean, and then you got a guy like Josh Lugg coming off the bench that does have five starts. You have six guys on this team who have career starts. I mean, it's incredible. And only two of those – we'll lose three of those guys this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how we replace them. And that's tough. You know, you go one year – uh, six guys back that have experience. This is wonderful. And then it's like, oh, we just lost three of five guys, that, and three of those guys are our mainstays, and Eichenberg, Kramer, Hainsey. If this offensive line can't move the ball this year, that's a concern. That is a concern from a ske- scheme standpoint and from a progress standpoint, developmental standpoint. Uh, I mean, you just look at Jarrett Patterson out there. It was 13 starts. Aaron Banks, 19, 25 for Hainsey. Kramer with 26 Twenty six for Eichenberg. We talked about Josh Lugg kind of giving the guys a blow with five starts. You know, jumping in there when injuries happen, and then everything else we have. You have Dylan Gibbons, Colin uh, Gr- uh, Grunhard, uh Colin Grenard. Sorry, <clears throat> snot got in the way. You'll live. Uh, John Dirksen, Cole Mabry, Quinn Carroll, Zeke Carroll. Uh, I mean, guys, John Olmstead, Christophe. All these freshmen, huge dudes too, huge. Quinn Carroll, 6'6 six, six half, three oh four. 304. I know he's coming off of an injury, but dang, that is a big guy, really big guy. And like, but like Brian says here, the biggest question surrounding the team going into the spring is Robert Hainsey, Tommy Kramer went down with season-ending injuries. Quinn Carroll still working his way back, as we just talked about. Dylan Gibbons battling a foot issue, uh, which could limit him in the spring and Aaron Banks also could be limited in the spring. Now, that opened up two things in my mind. One, if your offensive line, your first-string offensive line, is that dinged up, my first thought was, oh, my God, are we even going to have a spring game? You know, are you really going to try to play a physical position like the offensive line? you guys going to put people out there in a way that they potentially could injure themselves more? But Brian points out that there are a lot of Notre Dame walk-ons, quality walk-ons, um keeps the numbers up in the spring. And then you got young players that need the experience. Christoff, Carell, Olmstead, Dirksen. Give them guys a lot of reps. And that that's that immediately turned my head on a dime or turned my thinking on a dime with yes, absolutely play the spring game now. I mean, these guys have cuz they there has been spring games that are canceled or they're dialed back at other schools to whether they're just a glorified practice. Um I think I think we got to get these guys some experience. It goes a long way for development. And, you know, the guys that can play and those that are limited, I mean, if they don't get in, even in a limited role, if they don't get in, they don't see game action until, what, early August when they're back in camp and they're really going after each other? I mean, that's a long time. Especially some of these guys who couldn't finish out the year. Um, Brian talks about here about how Liam is kind of the guy we need to look to take that next level, take that next step. He he talented first time starter, strong moments, also shaky moments, as Brian mentions here. Um, second season as a starter, but you know, he turned it around and turned into our best blocker. Pro football focus, as we we talked about this when we did the top thirty linemen in the country, that he did not allow a single sack in twenty nineteen. Ranks seventh in pass blocking efficiency and eleventh in run game blocking uh, run blocking grade among Power Five offensive tackles. Again, if we have if we struggle to run the ball and it's because of blocking, not because of running back's vision, that, then there's a problem. There's a schematic problem. There's a developmental problem. There's an issue somewhere. Uh, I want to scroll along here, and he talks about the key questions: Does Eichenberg take that final step in his development to be an elite blocker? How healthy will Hainsey, Kramer, Banks be going into the spring? Um, we talked about that just a little bit ago. And, and if it, healthy, I mean, again, it'll be about development. We're going to all look at this and be like, okay, not only, you know, the, the big debate, can Kelly develop a quarterback? If these guys can't stay healthy as seasoned veterans with all this experience they already have, then maybe Kelly can't develop at all. Maybe it's an overall overall picture of the development not happening or the offensive line coach not being able to raise these guys to the next level. Uh, Jarrett Patterson, looking for him to take another step as a run blocker. You could say that about the entire offensive line, in my opinion. The entire offensive line, you could say, do they take the next step? Because last year and in prior years, when they step up in competition, now that's not to say we've not had productive running backs. We absolutely have. When we step up in competition – that's when we seemed to struggle. Even in 17, the offensive line won the best offensive line award. But when it came to like Miami, LSU, we definitely struggled running the ball. Uh, last two questions were, where does Josh Lug get the most snaps? Uh, will he grow his game and get a chance to push for a starting role? Not if everybody stays healthy. I think he'll be that kind of career backup. Um, well, backup until people graduate. And then he's going to get an opportunity. I would say... Um, and with junior eligibility, he'll probably be a starter next year, 100%. But this year, as long as guys can stay healthy, which we've seen in the past, guys get rolled up on, something just turns the wrong way, um, there's a real good chance he will just plug and play. First guy to go down. He may grow his game. If everybody else grows their game too, and then he's the odd man out, in my opinion. And will the sophomores take advantage of extra reps this spring? I mean, with everybody being so limited, they would have to just basically – decide not to play or just stand out there i mean i think they'll absolutely um take advantage of those reps you know you got three sophomores patterson mabry dirksen uh mabry dirksen in in particular that you know want to push for playing time and now they're going to have their opportunity you know guys go down next man up we've talked about it for years next man up what can they do when they have that opportunity, especially in a spring game environment, it's very controlled. We're not talking about being in front of 80,000 plus and uh, you know, having to perform in oh crap duty because two guys went down in front of you and now uh-oh, I got to jump in there and I got to play. So that wraps up the show for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed it our comeback episode because we're not dead yet. As we've seen the hashtags before, not done yet. We're not dead yet. We'll be back tomorrow, campus whip around. Uh, talk about the AP Top 25 in basketball. Uh, Tuesday's show, so we will be previewing BC again. And like I said, talk some lacrosse, talk some softball, baseball. Just give you an update overall, unless something breaks, of course. Remember, follow us, Locked On Irish, on Twitter, at Locked On Irish, on Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Greg Schaefer. Go Irish.